0: Oh, yeah. And then, like, when we do, like, the How Are You? I always feel like, Who gives a shit?
1: (laughs) Oh, really? I feel like people probably are interested in that.
0: You think so? Whenever I listen to a podcast, I'm like, I don't really care. Just tell me what I want to hear.
1: welcome to developers hangout a podcast for developers by developers a place where we get together as often as possible and discuss a wide range of topics from the books we're reading to latest news and commentary on other tech podcasts Uh, i'm nathan kirschbaum and joining me is hey i'm al new hey al
0: hey um glad to be back it's been a while yes indeed um so uh, the end of the year got crazy and we just dropped everything. Uh, lots of things happening. Yeah. Um, but now we're back and, and this is, you know, we have a, a game plan here for uh, a topic that should get us a number of shows. Um, uh, we're we're going to review Tech Radar, Techno- Tech Radar by ThoughtWorks, sorry, by ThoughtBots. ThoughtWorks, um, yeah. ThoughtWorks, thank you. Who the heck is ThoughtBots? <laughs> we should find that one. Let's go register that uh, <laughs> it's a great uh, article they release, I think, quarterly, and um, it has plenty of topics that are related to our day to day work, uh, tools, techniques, platforms, and languages. Um, so I'm glad we're going to be covering that for quite a while now, and then other things that come up as well, I'm sure. Yeah. So this will, this should be fun. While we're going through this,
1: uh, th- th- you know, ThoughtWorks is geared towards kind of more enterprise, uh, but that's okay. It, it does, uh, a lot of the stuff they're talking about also applies to just kind of your day-in, day-out developer, you know, even freelancers yeah. working on smaller projects. Um, but also keep in mind, uh, companies and even individuals uh, do put together their own radars. So keep that yep. in mind as you yep. as we're going through this. Is this is something if you and if you're interested in that kind of a thing, um, tech, uh, ThoughtWorks actually has a nice article on how to put together your own thought radar if you want to do it for your company or for your business, for your personal uh, development. What are you selling ads
0: for them? No, it's just really cool. <laughs> it's just really cool. I know we need to make one this year. so yeah, we're totally. trying to do too. Totally. But I don't know if it's just enterprise. I mean, as a as someone who was not enterprise or or a freelancer um it's always nice to 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 be on top of these things it's just yeah, interesting totally. to to learn about what's out there that i could start using
1: absolutely so um, yeah a lot of new things in this edition um yeah so we're gonna breeze over uh you know we're still gonna do the. you know so the new the news there's there's been a, f- a few interesting things that have been happening I would just want <laughs> to past three months yeah <laughs> But, yeah. So uh, w- w- there's just a few things. Al, did you did you have anything today?
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and then we'll introduce more of Tech Radar shortly. Um, so my first article is uh, PHP Architect Magazine, December 2016. Because I'm still working my through, way through that one. Um, in a hat Beyond Browser Testing by Constantine uh, uh, Krudjashov, who made B-Hat. and it's just interesting to see his reflections on how how he. Really got um, hung up in UI testing and DOM testing, and he forgot, and he and he didn't realize the real purpose of the tool till later on. So it's really a neat article. Uh, he's talked about this before, um, and just to see someone make a tool and then learn from the tool what he what he you know could be applying it for. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. so that's a good article. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, uh, uh, I guess an article in a similar vein that I wanted to call out was. Um, and i guess it's being talked about quite a bit because it's new yeah. but La- laravel dusk um so there's an article called uh, laravel dusk is coming soon and that's in or is coming and that's in uh the, the latest edition of laravel news actually um yeah and and for those of you who don't know um it's a new tool it 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 purports to be kind of a end to end browser testing tool uh for javascript applications uh it utilizes chrome driver and then the facebook uh php web driver for for doing these tests um and and it's interesting i mean we don't have a lot of time to go into it now uh but at some point
0: i'd love to get your perspective on that al because yeah. i know you it'd you know, be great we, to uh do an article uh, a podcast on that one yeah, yeah. yeah no i would love to um incorporate the gherkin uh side too and then the gherkin could drive the, the uh the uh the code just like Behat does yeah it's interesting that's the only thing missing you know yeah you don't get that bdd moment right it
1: is interesting. I think they're making a number of assumptions. They, I also thought the stuff they're doing with the EMV files is pretty know, unique, interesting. I don't know the way to describe it now. They're, they,
0: yeah. like, swap out EMV files on the fly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and there's a certain amount of control we could never get out of BHAT over uh, the running instance of um, Laravel, maybe. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that type of depth of knowledge that they have, it, it just really is tempting. Only if it would work with Gherkin, and I think it could. You right. Know. Interesting. Why not?
1: Right cool
0: uh so another thing i want to reference is shipping docker by chris fideo um just a great um series i don't the site's a little bit confusing sorry chris uh i just wish it just was more like you know here's all the series here's you know everything um but there seems to be a few i linked to the Your app but there's another one that intro uh all of php docker and it's just really good stuff just kick back, watch the videos, and, and, and it gets you really thinking and understanding a, a good workflow.
1: Yeah. I'm excited to check this out. I haven't I haven't checked it out it's yet. It's really but... worth
0: it. I don't know how he's making his money. Uh, I don't know what he's doing. I just signed up for a mail, mailing list. You can sell <laughs> my email. I don't care. So. <laughs> it's on the record now. <laughs> yeah. It's really good, though.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to get into it more. I mean, we took a look at it a couple of years ago. That's the last time yeah. I really tried to run Docker, and it was like... It's still in kind of early stage. I mean, you could do it, but it was, it was, uh, I bet it's come a long way in the last couple of years. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, I ran across, I can't remember where I ran across this article. I think it was on, um, I don't know. I think I, there's this new uh, machine learning newsletter I'm on. I think it might have been there. But Anyway, this this letter is called The Only Skill You Should Be Concerned With. I um, will post a link to it, of course. But, you know, we've been doing like a bunch of team building and hiring and, Um, lots of stuff happening on our team over the last year. And, you know, it's really interesting. Like you work, you work with a lot of different people, meet a lot of different people. And, you know, the, the people that I think are are set, set apart are people who, um, like have a love for learning and they're good at learning. Um, you know, the, the, it's funny. I say sometimes like people, you know, people pay us and we have good jobs, not because we know the answers to everything, but we can find the answers faster than they could. And, um, you know, I think people, uh, it's just a good article. It's a good reminder for me to like focus, you know, it's not so important that, and especially as we're going through this technology radar, it's not so important that yeah. you know everything here because this is like, yeah. so you can't possibly know and be be, be proficient at everything here. Um, but what yeah. you can do is you can you can have an open mind you can kind of like there are uh katas if you will, and kind of like uh best practices that will keep you sharp and keep it yeah. keep keep you Uh, so you can you can learn quickly and that's really important like learning quickly and problem solving is like you know we we can it's really easy to find people who like you show them once how to do something and they remember it like finding people who can like just follow directions that's actually pretty easy to do finding people who can like uh you know uh, who, who you can like give important tasks and they like really understand it and learn it quickly um and have that kind of pro- those problem solving
0: skills. That's a lot harder. Yeah, no, it's true. So I it's wanted true. to post that. Yeah. Um. No, sounds like a good good one. Uh. All right. Okay. So let's head into deep dive. So basically, we're gonna head into uh, tech radar. Um. And I don't know if that's really what they yeah technology radar. Basically, they break things into four uh, topics or overall uh, areas: techniques, tools, platforms, and languages and frameworks. In each section, there's a subsection, and that is adopt, trial, assess, or hold. And um, we're just going to hit one uh, overarching topic, uh, a section. So this one will be techniques, the next one will be tools, and then the next one, platforms, and, and the next one, languages and frameworks. Uh, maybe between here and there, they'll finally realize PHP exists. But until then, um, <laughs> we'll talk about other people's stuff. But no, no, this is totally, a pro- this is totally uh, applicable. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and we'll talk about each item in each section and we'll be clear about which section we're in, adopt or trial, assess or hold. We'll spend about, uh, two minutes per item, but some we're just going to do a pass on and you'll see why as we go. Um, and, um, each one of us will get only like 45 seconds to really cover like why this interests us and any thoughts. So let's head into it. Um, see if there's anything more. Nope. Let's go. We're going to start with the techniques section. Like I said, this will be this podcast. And the first part of that is the technologies to adopt. Basically these technologies have made it through their, their assessments and their, and their trials. And it's, it's risen to that point of it's time to adopt in their opinion. Um, the first one in that section is, um, uh, consumer driven contracts. Now, um, Really quickly, uh, that is basically uh, you're using a a, a a service, a microservice of yours or someone else's. Uh, you want to build a quick uh, way of testing the response of that service so that it continues to provide what you need uh, for that service. And also, like, you know, they talk about tools like PACT, but they're just like saying, let's just keep it simple. Uh, right. So that's the, the general look of that one. All right. Nathan you're 45 seconds of fame <laughs> so the key here is
1: consumer driven um, so a lot of, you know like a lot of folks assume that the API that they're subscribing to has or using has tests and is doing things the right way um, but the critical part here is that it's from the perspective of your application so yep. you're testing the things that you're interested in you're testing the things that, if broke, would break your app. And, um, yeah. Pact is a cool library to check out. Um, it's not in PHP, but it's still really cool nonetheless. Um, so if you do, if you are interested in, in, um, consumer driven contract testing, I would recommend checking that out. They, they do some pretty interesting stuff there that would be fun to try to emulate in, um, in PHP. Maybe we'll do that at some point. Uh, yep. yeah. So, well, yeah.
0: All right. Good. Wow. You did a great t- time. It was perfect. Was all all night practicing. Yes. (laughs) Um, So basically, uh, it makes total sense. It's you're responsible for what you need, the keys and values or assumptions you're getting from that API. uh, Running those with every build or nightly builds. Uh, So it's it's a great idea. And even if you own the services, the microservices or APIs, it's just that effort to um, to do that. One thing that's interesting though, later on, they'll talk about is GraphQL. Um, because, in the end, having an open API like GraphQL would make some of this less um, maybe less intense or or less worrisome interesting um, all right so that 's that, and my timer is totally nowhere to be profound <laughs> um, okay, so the next topic uh, or the tool um, let 's see what do they call it, a tool technique technique yeah. is Pipeline as code, yeah. uh, And so the, the, the brief on that is, um, you know, basically wrapping up everything you need um, to to deploy uh, your your application. Um, and uh, it, they list off a few services, and it's included in your repo in your code base, uh, so you can deploy this thing, test this thing, and, and get it onto the uh, the, the destination. Uh, that was a horrible summary. If you want to add to it, feel free. <laughs> no, I thought it was pretty good actually. Um, I'm just I'm just amazed how bad my timer is. Like if I move away from it, it disappears. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. why do people do this? <laughs> so, um, so what you you can start. Yeah, um, sure. Go for it. Um, so this is awesome
1: because um, you know the more you can move your server configuration and your any configuration into code. Um, the easier it is to understand what's going on and the kind of less variables you have, you know, lurking around in the universe that are potentially going to like call it, cause you problems. Um, so this is something that we've been, you know, we've been working for o- over a year now, kind of trying to move towards um, we've been using AWS and the cloud formation system, but it's awesome. Um, I don't have much time to go into it, but it's just really cool to yeah. be able to like, see what other developers are doing. If I have a problem, um, you know chances are it's in code there's only a few things now yep. like just critical security things that you don't put in code like you know credentials and things like that but um you know 99 percent of stuff is in code and it's and it, you know uh, there's a bunch of different tools you can use one of the main ones we use to leverage this is kind of ansible and a bunch of uh, aws tools but yeah yep. I, I think this All is right.
0: definitely good time's up <laughs> No, it, I, I uh, just to rehash what you went over. Yeah, it's helping us a lot. Um, you can toss code back and forth, and, and you both, your team feels like it, it, You know, they can alter things as needed. Um, all the servers get updated. Um, we're benefiting a lot from Ansible, um, and, and like you said, code pipeline and other tools. Um, and we haven't tried these other ones, Lambda CD, Drone, or Go CD, right. uh, Concourse, because uh, we're really into the AWS workflow. Um, where they have maybe a code deploy, um, so yeah, it, it's going well. Ansible is pretty amazing too to help us there um, to do the little tweaks we need to do. Um, so and, and hopefully Docker will become a part of that just, uh, as we move forward. So um, all right, that was my time. Uh, let's see the next one. You're very concerned with time, Al. Well, because you got someplace to be. G- <laughs> no, but this is gonna <laughs> last forever if we don't if we're not careful. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, it was that show too, um, that brain podcast, like, uh, they did the timer thing and I found it to be very uh, fun. Oh, okay. Anyways, uh, uh I'm threat it modeling. To very fun too. Are, are you modeling a threat here? No. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, um, uh, threat modeling to sum summarize that one. Um, uh, the team, like, let's, let's read from them, um, Threat modeling provides a set of techniques that help you identify and classify potential th- threats early on in the development process. As it is important to understand that it is only part of a strategy to stay ahead of threats. When used in conjunction with techniques such as establishing cross-functional security requirements to address common risk uh, in the techniques a project uses and using automated security scanners, threat modeling can be a powerful asset. Um, I, I I'll start on this one. And basically... Um, I think this stuff is great. And I wish from day one, we had in our workflow, not only setting up a stack, which is our first step in every project, uh, a deployed stack, um, but also to have all these threat modeling and scanning uh, aspects to it, um, because I just think that would be great. So I would love to pick up this one. Um, uh, They they link to a good article and they they link to services like OWASP and whatnot. So um, it can really become uh, a, a simple reality of a project. And like you said, like this isn't just enterprise. In my opinion, like as a developer, I would just love to have every customer have this type of, um, you know, um, layer because then I could sleep at night knowing it's safe. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, this All is really time. approachable. The um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the main thing here—I don't have much to add. But the main thing here is just that it's—you know—part of it is about scripting. Like there are good tools you can use, but also it's a little bit about role playing too, and putting your putting yourself and your team in the con- in the security mindset and the security context. Um, you know, and, yeah. and yeah. T- typically like, you know, you'll come out of those kinds of that those, those kind of that, that modeling with like a list of to do's to like make your app better security wise or, uh, stuff yeah. like that.
0: Yeah. And so. the, um, yeah, yeah. It's, um, the the other thing too to add to your fifteen seconds you still have left is it's hard to introduce that to the product owner though. Like, hey, today we're gonna do threat modeling. It's like, no, I just want my feature, thank you. <laughs> right. So I guess that would be the the difficult part though. Yeah, figuring where to where to get that in. Yeah. Um so uh that is it for adopt. Um and we're gonna head into their trial. Their trial is stuff that they're uh, they're working on, they're using and they they, they will uh, assess every every cycle, whether to adopt it or not. Um, and uh, let's see, so worth pursuing. It's important to see how to build on this capability. Enterprise should try this technology on a project that can handle the risk. Uh, and, and also in these um, articles, they, in these reports, they show where this item was maybe in the last report. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first uh, trial, and let me actually pull up some paper here. Um, so... Um, I'm happy to introduce these, some of these
1: too as well, Al. Oh, go for it. Yeah, I mean, Do the doing... first one? Okay, APIs sure. As a yeah, so a- APIs as a, as a product is pretty interesting. Um, it's basically like um, a, a philosophy. Like if you looked at APIs as a, like basically they're putting forth as like uh, you know, uh, p- a lot of APIs that you deal with um, aren't really kind of like maintained and looked at in a, in a way that. Uh, makes them kind of stable and well executed and long term uh, in a way that products are and so what they 're what they 're experimenting with and suggesting that people experiment with is um, viewing apis as a product um, where you 're you know actively maintaining and supporting them you 're making them easy to find easy to use um, those types of things and it 's that kind of like product perspective that can yeah. make apis uh, you know, very successful and, and easier for the
0: developer to use. Yeah. No, makes sense. Um, so, f- I mean, it, you know, there's not a ton, ton for me to add to this this one here. It's uh, It makes sense. Um, every product that we have that we're managing, you really have to... How do you make this part of your budget, part of your mindset, part of, you, part of your sprints, I guess, is the tricky part. Right. Um, so...
1: Well, and it's also that that question. You're, you're what you mentioned ago, like with budget, you know, or or whatever. You have to like, like treating it as a product means that it's like you're going to take more time for you know documentation and for yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, doing things right, quote unquote, right, and um, you know, that takes time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and but maybe there's value there for the product owner, to um to uh, To keep it a product, because then other departments or services use it, which might contribute to their budget. It, it's it's yeah. it just depends on where you're at. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting mindset. It, it's some of the stuff it'd be interesting to try to apply. Um, uh, you know, because of where you know where where you're at and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, the next one is bug bounties. Okay, not much of a. I need there for an introduction. Um, We all know what bug bounties are. Uh, I don't have much to add to it, but basically I I thought it was like a a nice little reminder, like, wow, you could apply this inside your own company quite easily, you know, with your own teams. Yeah, that would Um, be interesting. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: No, it's a good idea. I hadn't, I hadn't yeah. thought I hadn't thought of that. I mean, I've yeah. seen the ba- the bug bounty stuff. Um, yeah,
0: but they're like, here's twenty five thousand. I was like, no, here's a day off page. Here's a <laughs> you know, here's a you know, coupon for some awesome thing that you want. You know, yeah, totally. So, uh, um, the next one uh, is data lake. Uh, I'll have you do that one sure. after this. Oh, after uh, data lake, okay. The boring one. Yeah. Uh, totally. Data lakes are kind of cool. Uh, it's, a, it's a way to stash just every bit of data you can imagine in an unformatted way so that then you can have um, people focus on uh, making domain or, or department level reports out of. Um, so that's that's basically a data lake. Um, Key here and, is raw data. Like, yeah, yeah. Very different yeah, than unformatted, like Unformatted, stru- just yeah. thrown into SQL. Yeah, no right. SQL. Yeah. Right. You want to talk about what you think? It makes sense. I
1: mean, we haven't really like the the data that we're working with so far hasn't been yeah. one where that we would we would use a data lake. But it's interesting. Like I think they were saying, I can't remember where it was, but but it was you like, could be pumping your data into that lake. You don't know, right? right? Well, and I then think at some point, people, what what? I, I think at some point you get you have to they like down in the hold section. We'll talk about it soon, but it, like there's that big data envy section which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. But, but basically, it's like you know. You don't want to go into something too early. We, we, I mean, we, we are definitely. There are some systems we're using that you know, in a matter of uh, you know, six months, we have millions of records. So there's no doubt that we're going to be like uh, in a place soon where we can do that. It's interesting. Yeah. Well,
0: the the idea though is you're dumping your data into this lake, and this other department's dumping theirs, and you guys have no clue. But someone else now realizes, oh, I'm going to connect these dots. Yeah. So you're getting it into just another system for people to use outside of your. You're thinking yeah that that's and, interesting and, yeah it's just a very um uh and with amazon's like cheap services you could just dump it in this huge like redshift or something um mm-hmm. and just you know uh just ha- you know those other departments can have a go at it yeah um, it seems that see they, they recommend here
1: to it. limit it to reporting right. and analysis and
0: right into uh, uh, a, a certain whatnot. group of people not right. like just let everybody at it
1: yeah makes sense
0: all right. Um, introduce the next one. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so this was so called, uh, <laughs> the
1: next hosting one. PII data in the EU. Um, yeah.
0: is so it PII?
1: PII, PII is, is, uh, personally identified, identifiable information. And right. this one's actually very interesting. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know if it, anyone else, I'm sure someone out there listening is into like health, but the same thing is true with cheese. Uh, when you're, when you're shopping, like, uh, and let me explain this, like basically, uh, <sighs> there's there's less regulation in the united states so if you buy cheese from the from europe you you actually know that there's like that it's been treated a certain way uh and and it, like health wise it's better you know like they they don't allow hormones they don't allow like a, a lot of uh like things that to the rest of the world besides the united states have been known to be uh not so great for people uh so there's a correlation here which is um the EU also has like uh, pretty high restrictions. They're kind of like s- setting the pace in the world for um, for protecting uh, people's personal information. Uh, so forward-thinking companies and companies that are interested in privacy uh, and protecting data, they're they're basically like using data centers in the EU that have to abide by these high like, uh, mandates for quality and and privacy and whatnot, even though they're like U S companies. Um, so you've seen like, you know, um, and you can do this with big, you know, like Amazon, Google, Microsoft, they all have, um, you know, they, they all offer services in the European union. So I think it's pretty cool. You you could, you know, you could, you you could choose to, and you could just choose to store certain, certain data there. So if you had a big, uh, you know, a big, um, system you could just have all of your user information stored there or just the critical the critical stuff so it's kind of cool
0: yeah yeah i don't have much to add kind of cool kind of easy aws point to eu done (laughs) i don't know why you would do it any other way (laughs) so maybe for speed (laughs) yeah um so the next one i i really like I'll, i'll do the intro and then i'll go into my my stick on it sure um it's called Lightweight Ar- Architecture Design Records. And it really was like no-duh moment of like when I read this, I'm like, yeah, this is great. Uh, basically, it's just a structure to um, to succinctly document decisions in the design architecture. And and basically, it's very nice, very formatted, very uh, easy to, to do. And it's so nice because as developers join teams or move on to a project six months after it was built, they're like, why did people choose this? And no one really remembers um, so just to have these documents around and say like this choice was made, here are some of the reasons behind it, here are some of the compromises and risks uh, and so forth would be just a great uh, resource to have in that source code. Yeah. Uh, so that's lightweight architecture decision records. Um, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think it's great. I think um I think uh, a more formalized way of doing it is really good. We've been yeah. like, we've been hit or miss with this kind of stuff, and I so I think yeah. this is great. Also, I love storing them in source control. uh yeah. I think that's really good too.
0: Right yeah, along you with can the do code, that, get blame and be like, I didn't write that. <laughs> yeah, all right, uh, all right. You could do the next one because I have sure. no clue what it is. Sure. Um,
1: so the next one is reactive architectures. Um, and I also don't have much experience with this, but, um, I mean, I, I understand it conceptually though. So, um, basically reactive architectures are architectures where, um, you're dealing with asynchronous, um, message passing and, um, the whole system is comprised like that. Uh, and so, you know, this can be, um, this can be good, but you have to like, Consider the the like maintenance performance and scalability situation. So so systems that are architected, architected like this um, are. Uh, significantly more complex. And so you have, you know, you have to, um, and there, it's kind of like harder to track harder to trace things around harder to figure out what's going on, the code becomes like less readable, because it's kind of uh, bro- broken up and um, siloed in a way that that it makes it it just makes it more challenging. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically the high level. I'm we Like I said, we haven't we haven't really used this type of architecture, but it's something I guess it's
0: something to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. We use cues a lot. So we get things out of the way, but I don't know that we haven't needed that type of, uh, yeah, more like, like I wouldn't call it reactive architecture. I just call it using cues to get things out of the way. (laughs) And it's still very synchronous. Like now do this. And then when you're done, trigger another job. Right. So I don't have anything to add on that one. Um, all right. The next one is really cool: uh, serverless architecture. And again, there's a whole framework around this one, uh, serverless, um, uh, and they use AWS. Um, but yeah, just how do we eliminate all those things we have to maintain and just use, um, you know, those resources that are there waiting for us? Uh, I come at it from a very AWS approach, uh, and so you have all these events in, in, in data stores and things that can react to events like Lambda um and so forth i even did something with docker and php recently uh to show that wow you can really just have this very simple uh serverless headacheless uh you know setup it, you know how far can it go though they even you know have api resources as well so you can return, receive a post and do something with it mm-hmm. uh so what
1: what do you think i think it's great i mean it's interesting like the um you know, for those of you not familiar with it, like when it's interesting because they say serverless, but of course there's a server behind it. It's just you don't have to deal with that. So the serverless, yeah. serverless architecture is kind of like abstracted in a way where um, you you as the user don't have to think about it. There's no OS to configure. There's no maintenance yep. to do or anything like that. Security updates, uh, right? Security. Uh-huh. Everything's all taken care of, and it's it's very um, it's. um it's like uh, they describe it as machines with ephemeral compute power that come into existence uh, and disappear immediately. Um, so, in that sense, it's really cool. Like, I've been, you know, um, like, I love the idea of it. Uh, no one really has like a great PHP offering right now um, for that. P- perhaps Wait because till of the you see what and we stuff. have. You'll see. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Dude, it's all on AWS. And, and with Docker and PHP, we, we basically recreated um, Iron IO. Oh, really? Interesting. Um, yeah, I'll show you some, sometime. All right, cool. Um, but no, I hear what you're saying. I, I really wish uh, the Lambda AWS stuff yeah, wasn't that's all Python one, or J- right. JavaScript. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, using their container services, you can do quite a bit. Cool. Um, but yeah, the ephemeral, the, the not worrying about it's really nice. Um All right, so that is the section called trial. Uh, The next one is assess. Now, this is worth exploring with the goal of understanding how it will affect your enterprise. So not even worth putting into um, an app that can handle the risk. Um, So that's something to keep in mind. Um, The first topic uh, for the assess is a client-directed query. Um, And they just talk about how REST can be uh, fairly anemic and they, they link off to articles, um, about that, but then they try to talk about concepts about GraphQL or Falcor, uh, where the client controls the query. Um, so Nathan, what do you think?
1: I mean, it's interesting. I don't have, um, I definitely know what they mean by the anemic rest, uh, anti-pattern. And, you know, they also mentioned that you, that, that of course this can be countered with, uh, consumer driven content, uh, uh contracts. Um but it's a little the the concept overall of client directed query is a little abstract for me still. I think yeah. I need to play with it a little bit to have, have much of an opinion on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah I did a um uh a proof of concept with GraphQL so I got to dig in a bit and, and basically you're making an endpoint that then people can query um, with a, a JSON structure that allows them to basically query the models you made available for them. Interesting. So you could, you know, query users and then you could say in your query users, you know, um, with images uploaded, for example. And yeah. as long as your, your endpoint had that much information um, and had that structure uh, to, to defining users and defining their relationship to images and that person could make the query. You know, nice. Yeah, yeah. It was really good. It was really something that should have been used, but um, we just weren't ready yet for it in that project because uh, mm-hmm. they were using DynamoDB and there were some limits they were worried about. Right. Um, but the point was, and, and, and there's a plugin for Laravel, so it was really neat to plug in Eloquent and, and watch how you could use that endpoint to query users and other things about those users. Yeah,
1: that's great because yeah. I know the RESTful stuff can get messy over time, especially yeah. when you're working with a team and you got like two well, or three. But imagine like,
0: and- imagine like, hey, uh, I have x a number of routes well i could just have one or two in my whole front end which is just a bunch of angular widgets here and there that need information could just make their own requests all right and i don't have to worry about 30 routes and building another controller right it, it's kind of neat i mean so something to think about later on yeah definitely uh why don't you do the next one oh sure. do you want to do the next one yeah, yeah no this, this right, is well. cool i mean
1: you'll have more opinion on it than i will but um the uh, so the next one is the uh, container security scanning, and uh, this one's this one's really nice. So there's a, there's a lot of security scanning tools out there. Um, Al's actually mentioned them in the past. He's done some work actually within our team um, to do some automation with them, which is really nice. Um, but this is specific. So this is kind of like taking those tools and that tool set and applying them specifically to containers. You know, so in, uh, in our case, Docker. Um, and you know this is become, Docker's becoming Docker is becoming much more kind of mainstream, and a lot of a lot of companies are using that. Um, but in that, it's actually uh, opened up a whole new vector of threats because because it's so powerful, and because uh, you know it's it it, it, it it gives you a lot of flexibility. It also allows you to get uh, you know uh, problems in production that you know, were easier to lock down before. So, um, you know, this is kind of a, a practice and a set of tools that would allow you to automatically uh, scan the the containers before they make it to production.
0: Yeah, it's um it's one of those I don't even think it, it's I don't think it's a if you weren't using Docker, you still are doing scanning. So this is like preemptive scanning and other things that even make your job maybe easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, So it's, it's interesting from that point too. Um, And, and, you know, but I just, I I had some of it happen on the Docker hub for free. They give you the service. Um, And my point is like, yeah, it's it's really awesome, but I still don't understand. Like, you know, all these scanning tools have this level of like, uh, holy crap, you're in the red. It's like, yeah, but everybody in the world's in the red if they go by your standards. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, it's funny, like how to read these tools just right. But I think it's, it's great to apply um, it's a great thing to apply. Like, why not? It's awesome. Right. Uh, it might cost money with Docker eventually. I'm I'm, I'm totally ass- sure. So it'd be interesting to see later on how we could uh, maybe find an open source solution for that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so yeah, it's a it's definitely a win. Uh, I don't know why it's in necessity. I mean, maybe they just haven't had time because it seems like an uh, easy like an easy one. Right. Um. So the next one is um. <laughs> Okay, I should have had you do this one. So the <laughs> next one is uh, content security policies. We are finding content security policies to be helpful in addition to our security toolkit when dealing with websites that pull a- assets from mixed context. The, policies he- the policy defines a set of rules about where assets can come from uh, and so forth. So it's, just a, it's, it's, it's an interesting topic. It's just not something I deal with a lot. So I don't have much to say. It totally makes sense. Um, but I can't even imagine using this one myself because we just—I don't deal with that level of content. What do you think? Yeah, it's.
1: I, uh, yeah, I agree. Like, I I have run into this before because I was trying in my spare time. I was trying to do some fun stuff where I could like oh, yeah. build. I could like build uh, a monitoring system that uh, where you could actually like. Uh, select things from other people's websites. And I, the way I was trying to do it, I ran into this, not with all the websites, but definitely with like, uh, YouTube and, um, the New York times and a number of websites that, that they employ mechanisms that like really limit, like what you can do with their page, even, even on the, even on the, um, you know, the, uh, browser side of things like once on your computer. So like on the client side. So, um, Anyway, I think it's interesting. Like the, I'm sure, I'm sure. You know, for, for me, I wasn't trying to do anything malicious, so it was annoying, and I had to come up with another way to do it, which was, you know, more, which was not as easy. <laughs> but, um, uh, but I understand it. Like this is it, the point of this is that it, you know, it's it's kind of like the core. Like so, if you're familiar with um, cores, which which, um, basically is like a way of um, uh, only allowing. Uh, content from specific domains or subdomains on your site. It's kind of it's kind of like a step further in that direction, where you're really like locking things down to mitigate uh, cross scripting attacks and things like that.
0: All right, all right. Um, so why don't you do the next one? (laughs) Do you know this one? Uh, differential privacy. I um.
1: It's I I do I, I so I can I can, can, I can it. it's interesting I it's it's not in my world right now but I right. I, I understand right. it so yeah. um so th- this is kind of cool so there's a, there's a problem there's an increasing problem where the and this is kind of a problem with large data sets where even like so so a lot of times these companies when that you use they'll be. Uh, you visit your visit website or you have a service through them they collect uh, you know, like anonymized bulk data the problem though with anonymized bulk data is that statistically when you have like enough of these data sets you you can do things where you can start to recognize who people are uh, even though it's anonymized data um, especially when you can like cross-reference d- different data sets and things like that um, and run analytics so um what differential privacy is is it's it's a, a essentially an algorithm, a statistical algorithm that introduces noise um, and makes it so that it's harder to, um, you know, pick specific people out. So it tries to keep the data anonymized. Um, it's it's in the, it's in the assess because uh, basically uh, Apple has um, kind of led the way with this particular. Um, Technology and or one of the particular technologies, but they they're like in the typical Apple fashion are not releasing all the details of how they do it. So people are kind, of, some people are kind of skeptical about it. Um, but it's interesting, and they list a couple link to a couple other tools here that you could um think about and look through. Um. But of course the best thing is to like only you know to not store that data at all like that's the safest way and yeah. you know to and to only store what you need kind but of But then thing.
0: we come back to data lakes and you're like oh store it <laughs> right right, right I, don't, I don't have anything to say on that one right. Um it, it totally makes sense I just don't yeah I don't have, I don't need it right now Um micro front ends that was really interesting um so the summary is it's just uh like microservice back ends uh it's just structuring your front ends around this um, so for me, uh, you know, I, I think it's nice keeping things small. It, it's easier to fix or change or add. Um, it, I just don't understand how the workflow would look like. So I'd have to read up more about like, you know, merging all these branches and deploying things and, and getting things into one place and passing, um, the, you know, permissions around so that you're logging yeah. in on both. So it'd be, I, I need to read more, but I really like the idea of, of the keeping things small because of, um, jumping around from team to team or project to project.
1: Man. Yeah. So. I also wonder what size team would be required for this. Like, you know, if it's just you and I working on a project, like, yeah. cause the way, the way they describe it is really kind of like, and they even give an example where like for a particular project uh, for each feature on the front end. Like a te- a separate team is responsible for that, uh, and they bring up a pattern which I think we've talked about in the past—the BFF pattern with back end, uh, back end for front ends, where it's kind of like everyone's responsible for their own back end and front end kind of thing, like each team, yeah. even yeah. though it's the same app. Um, so, interesting stuff. But I would definitely yeah. have a bunch of questions about process and workflow but you know i wonder if this is the kind of thing where you need like a team of 20 developers minimally to work on or something i
0: don't know yeah they have some good links there so i'm gonna follow up later and read up about it yeah um all right you can do the next one okay so it's uh i don't know it's
1: oasp a s v s um and the so so uh, I don't know what OWASP is. I assume it's like an organization. Yeah. But it's the ASVS stands for Application Security Verification Standard. Um, so this is this is cool. This is kind of like – the way I look at this is kind of like um, just like an authority on application security. So if you're looking for a place to, like, standardize around um, – this this would probably be a really good place to take a look um, it 's in the assess category so it 's not something to be you know it 's not, yeah. not set in stone or anything um, but basically it 's just a uh it 's just a thorough list of like requirements categorized by um, func like different functions that might you you might look into such as authentication access control error handling yeah. logging um so you know this 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 is like it's good for people who just want to like are security minded and want to have a review or people who are like, you know, you may have a QA team or like a QA person that you want to like, um, th- have, have them think about things from a testing like uh standpoint. So this could, you know,
0: this could be good for them as well. Just, just yeah. some documentation. No, I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, why not? You know, more, more data to, um, you know, consider, I'm, I'm going to read up on that one and just see how to apply it to projects. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the next one is Unikernels. kernels. Um, and, uh, basically smaller, uh, kernels, smaller OSs that can be used for, um, these container type, um, uh, setups we have like Docker or whatever, uh, that are faster and, and easier to maintain. Um, so for me, this makes a lot of sense. I got to look into it more. I have one container that I have a proof of concept around. It's just installing PHP and running it. Like I don't need Ubuntu for that. I could use um core os or other ones but they talk about mirage os Hal VM, uh and other things so um drawbridge so my point is like yeah i would love to speed things up it's fast now but man it would be nice to have it faster um what do you think i think it's really cool i mean
1: i don't totally understand it it sounds to me like they're baking a bunch of like um use case specific goodness into the kernel so that um so that it speeds things up and oh, yeah. makes the, makes the,
0: well, um, the Linux kernel is huge and they're just pulling out like, Hey, uh, you don't need a driver for your printer. Right. This, is, <laughs> this right. is for Docker, you know? Right.
1: So um, it is really interesting. Yeah. And it, it makes me feel like this, like, so I don't know if this is really what this is intended to be, but like, it almost feels like this, like getting this figured out would be like, basically like creating your own, um, uh, uh what's the service on Amazon that we were just talking about a minute the ago. The ECS.
0: Well, not EC2 not containers. ECS. It's
1: almost like because this is, this could be serverless. Like you could use uh, this could oh, be yeah. like a, a serverless architecture. So um, yep. Yep. basically, you build your own like unique uh, uh, project specific like yep. version of a very fast serverless API or something that would like yeah. you know, I, I can think of a few things that we've done over the last couple of years that could like you know instead of building like workers that are actually like servers doing. You know, uh, you know, kind of like a bunch of heavy lifting. Uh, yeah. Kind of streamline them into the, this like server, serverless yeah. architecture. It would be interesting.
0: No, I agree. Yeah. All right, final section is hold. Um, proceed with caution is how they define it. Um, there's four items in this section, and some of these items might have been in assess in other places. So it's neat to watch the history of these things and watch how um, sometimes they thought it was a good idea, and now it's not uh, maybe yeah. because of time, or maybe because it just didn't hold up.
1: I'm surprised you um you skipped the VR beyond gaming. Oh, this I did because I yeah. did it in my head. Did you, uh, the last that would be your like what most excited about
0: the last one in assesses is VR beyond gaming. Maybe because I realized VR is not going to go anywhere, <laughs> um, but AR is. Um, yeah, yeah. So the the one the last one the assesses VR um, beyond gaming, and, uh, and and like the title says, it's like what could it be applied to in the business sector, um, and uh, so my thoughts are. Um, that uh, there might be no hope for this. So (laughs) I bet you this never makes it out of here. Um, I have, yeah, I just don't think, um, I don't, I don't think for the most part people are productive inside of a headset with no connection to the outside world other Mm -hmm. than like with avatars. Like I think it's going to be awesome once we figure out the AR thing. yeah, Um, And therefore you can have the best of both um, uh, worlds. Um, So I'm hesitant about this one, but what do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. Like I I do think I don't know if you're right, but I think it I I think what you say makes a lot of sense and I have concerns about it too. The, the other thing is like I, you know, um they claim that they've eliminated the perceivable motion tracking lag which yeah, yeah. causes headaches and nausea in a lot of people. But I don't. I've tried. I actually tried the Oculus Rift, and uh, yeah. I still. I'm not sure it was like. No, I got a uh, little queasy. Yeah. yeah. So but
0: they've changed. Uh, they also included new drivers that make it so you can even need less of a system. So I wonder if that helps.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I. I. Yeah. It's hard. Like I mean, I think certain businesses, like obviously uh, real estate, like you know, you could be able to tour your house before you know you you don't even have yeah, to go yeah. like that kind of stuff. No, it's I a also good point. think. I also think like I, I it would be really fun like if they had a re- if they had like um high definition uh like like a great great picture um it would yeah. be fun like our team like some of our team you know like some of our teams are like 15 20 people like it yeah. would be cool to be sitting around a conference table with them uh yeah. you know no, having it's true, a meeting and you, you have to look these the stupid avatars
0: where i have my sword and you have your whatever right, <laughs> right 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 we're not so, really us. I don't know. No, yeah. Maybe so I see a business
1: there. context. I don't know if I see yeah. like a web application context per se outside of um you know, outside of those right, right, specific right. use cases where like visiting a pro you know, I want to go, go to a museum, I want to go to view this house that's for sale. Like that yeah. kind of stuff. I can see the VR
0: happening, but the um those escape rooms are kind of big right now, a VR yeah, escape room where that you could would be join a whole bunch of friends. Um, but I don't know.
1: It, it may, it may, you know, like I could see it getting bigger if it expanded. Like if it was like everyone had a VR room in their house where the floor like yeah. moved, you know, so it was, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, that's like limited to how many people. <laughs> yeah, it's like science
0: fiction stuff now. Yeah, in a VR room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So back to hold. <laughs> the first one in the hold section is a single CI instance for all teams. Um, there might be the impression that it's easier to manage a single CI or continuous integration instance for all teams because it gives them a single configuration. Um, but they just talk about how this just has its weaknesses. Um, my view of this is I don't understand why you would do this anyways because you have services like Travis in, in Codeship um, that just work. So I don't know why people were doing this. But maybe there's a good – obviously, there's good reasons. Right. Um, but, yeah, why would you want one system to manage all your builds? That, you know, um, I can only imagine it would be hard to maintain – like, hey, this app has PHP seven, and this five, and this whatever. So I, I don't know why they right. did this. So yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, what are your thoughts?
1: It was probably just because it seems, from a management perspective, seems easier to maintain or something. Um, and it probably is easier to maintain when you, if like you know, if you've got some custom like Capistrano deployment yeah. strategy. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I I agree. Like a,
0: uh, you know, uh, Travis no is free for non-private yeah. repos. So. Yeah.
1: You just got to make sure, like, you know, you've got the right number of, like, uh, you know, they have different plan- different like settings for s- simultaneous deployments and stuff like that. And that, yeah. that's got us in the past as we've grown as a team, like, yeah. being limited in those ways. But that's an easy yeah. fix. Um, All right. Why don't you take on the next one? Sure. So the next one is anemic rest. So we already talked about this a little bit. Um, we already talked about kind of the... Um, you know, like the there so there's kind of like an increasing popularity where with the the BFF the back end for front end pattern, um, especially with frameworks like React or Vue.js JS and uh, Angular, um, and then we already talked a little bit about GraphQL and the FALKER. So it's just kind of like uh, basically what we're, we've already talked about this essentially. Like the 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 rest like done done the right way. Um, rest still works. And I don't think they're suggesting that like, uh, it's a bad thing. I think that the biggest, uh, issue is like people aren't, uh, they're, they're not implementing it correctly, meaning they don't have like a, a richly modeled, uh, domain. Um, and if you do have like a richly modeled domain and you're kind of focused on that, um, uh, rest can be simpler um but um in a lot of cases it doesn't make sense and so they they're putting it on they're putting it on hold and they're saying yeah. they they're making a distinction between arrest and anemic rest because um i think the idea is that rest not managed properly uh can really
0: be a problem Yep, yep. uh yeah not much addicts ex- i mean a lot of the apis we build aren't really apis they're just places that widgets can get data from <laughs> so which doesn't roll off the tongue, but the point is, like, we're building them specifically for that Ajax widget in that particular application. Right. And then we can make them as rich as that particular widget needs, so yeah. Um, but if building an API, yeah, you wonder why um, make it all about one resource without all the depth that it needs to really do what it needs to do. Um, so, but they're saying, hold on, anemic rest, which even the name says bad, <laughs> but anyway... Right, right. Um, the next hold is big data envy. Um, we continue to see organizations, organizations chasing cool technologies, uh, taking on unnecessary complexity and risk. So, you know, just holding back on, 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 preparing and installing databases that are big data ready and, and have maintenance. Um, so my view of this is, uh, makes sense, you know, uh, when you need it, you get it. Um, but until then just keep it simple. Um, and again, we're so AWS focused, it's really easy to go from simple to complex. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. I was surprised. Like, um, I, and I imagine this happens a lot. Like, you know, you get some of these like, um, really resource intensive, uh, tools like Cassandra and, but, and I didn't realize they mentioned in here that like, they don't recommend Cassandra unless you're, uh, unless you have data volumes that require a hundred plus node, node clusters. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, you know, it's, it's easy to, to, to like, Oh, I have a lot of data I want to work with. Let me <laughs> yeah, just yeah. try some interesting stuff. And, um, you know, you can get yourself into trouble like, but you know, there's a balance though. Cause it, you know, that's how, that's how you innovate and progress too is, uh, uh, is by trying some of those tools every now and yeah. again when it makes yeah. sense. So,
0: yeah. All right. You can take on the last one.
1: Okay. Um, so it's called Cloud Lift and Shift, um, which is interesting because I think they're, <laughs> it confused me for a minute because there are companies out there that do Cloud Lift and Cloud Shift. They're, I think yeah. there are like specific products that uh, actually people we know um, have made. So, so I, but it's not about that at all. Um, basically, uh, there's a, what they've, what they've detected is like a, pa- a pattern in enterprise uh, organizations where you, you get this kind of like legacy of people within these organizations who know um, kind of like non-cloud computing very well. So, so they'll take concepts from like, you know, d- the, the era of like data store or, you know, data warehouses or server warehouses, and they'll like apply it to cloud computing. And you see people like building these like robust APIs in front of cloud infrastructures to like yeah. restrict people from doing all kinds of things and to kind of like uh, – Navigate and orchestrate the cloud infrastructure in a way that's similar to what they were used to yeah. and it's really holding them back and creating a bunch of unnecessary problems and constraints um, and so I guess they're seeing this more and more in larger organizations and so they're um, they're they're recommending to like be careful with this you don't you don't want to do this,
0: yeah I mean it makes sense um, uh it's on hold, so it seems like it was a concept that maybe had a place in, in their system. Uh, it's always been on hold, though, if I look at the history. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a reminder, if anything, that if you're going to go cloud, maybe learn about how to deal with it at the services level you're going with. For us, AWS, right. um, which, again, is it's hard. It's a whole new way to look at how to manage um, everything. <laughs> uh, and it's right. it's basically an abstraction layer that you have to learn. Um, so yeah, it's, it makes a lot of sense and, uh, you know, it applies to us as we deal with, um, you know, concepts, uh, that we have to deal with because <laughs> they're rules that seem to be from the old way. Right. Um, all right. So we almost did it that was like 50 something minutes. Um, but yeah. that was a lot yeah. of topics. It's a lot of good stuff. I love this, uh, this radar. It's my favorite like, yeah. article. Um, These are fun. yeah. And so the next one we'll go into, uh, in a week. Uh, we'll commit to that, I think, maybe, or you can cut this out later. <laughs>
1: no, I'll commit to it.
0: And um, we'll hit the tools area. Again, you will not see any PHP or Laravel because they just don't know we exist. Um, but you'll see a lot of cool tools to think about. Some I have no clue what they are or don't really care about them. Um, but there are some good ones. And uh, again, hopefully they just keep us thinking uh, in our day to day as we try to you know, take on problems. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Fun um, stuff. Yeah, yeah. What were you going to say?
1: no no I'm excited I'm excited to go I think I I just uh, was going to echo what you said so I won't I actually won't because <laughs> no one wants to hear it <laughs> twice
0: you could used up all your seconds <laughs> yes all right all right cool well thanks for listening sorry we had a four month delay or something like that we're back and uh, we are committing to nothing except that we're going to try harder this time exactly. uh, to be more consistent yeah all right, thank you. Thanks. Talk to you later. Thanks again for listening to the show. If you can just take a moment to rate us on iTunes, it's a big, big help. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Devs Hangout and tweet about the show. Another way is to visit our website at developershangout.io. Leave comments, suggestions, and see show notes. Uh, it really helps us to get the feedback, it keeps us focused, gives us ideas, gives us energy for the next show. And once more, we just want to say thanks to our sponsors, Art, for putting out a great magazine every month and including us in it. Thanks again. See you next show.